Pastor Sean, the campus pastor here at Good Hope Road, and uh, today's a day of celebration, a day of celebrating all that God does with ordinary people, extraordinary things all around the world, um, here at Daybreak and through Daybreakers around the world. And so I want to welcome you into that. Uh, today is um, kind of this opportunity that once a year we take to celebrate what God does through us as a church around the world globally. And uh, Melody Hendrickson, who many of you know, because this is her kind of her home campus and she hosts here a lot, and she's actually over at Gettysburg Pike this morning doing this, facilitating this celebration too. And uh, so we're just going to celebrate together as both campuses, all that God has done. Um, you know, every year when we do this, um, it, the words of the song that we sang before we got here actually really display well why we do this, all because of Jesus, all because of who Jesus is. You know, we take all these trips and we send people all around the world here at Daybreak that they might serve other people. But we don't do it just because, hey, look, we can do this really good thing. We don't just do it because we want volunteers to be able to correct the world. We're not just trying to make the world a better place. We're actually being obedient to God. We're actually saying, yes, God, I will join you in what you're doing to reconcile people to each other, to their planet, to God himself. And so we want to participate in it, and we want to celebrate that, and that can be celebrated in a lot of ways, but I love that it happens through his local church because there's something special about the people 
that God chooses to work through, and he does choose people to work through. Now, every ministry here at Daybreak has an essence statement, a way that they carry out God's heart that lines up with Daybreak's vision and the direction we all go as a community. And this is the essence statement of global ministries and what they want to do here at Daybreak to help us all go on this journey together, particularly in the world and the place in Daybreak's version of contributing to God's work. It says this, our vision is to help the Daybreak family embrace and respond to God's heart for the world's least reached and under-resourced people. That's God's heart. That's our heart. That's the global heart of global ministries. And that can be accomplished in a lot of different ways. And in fact, it is all the time. But one of the ways that we feel is like the most effective, most incredible, most life-changing way for that to happen is when people go on short-term missions. And so we put a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of prayer into short-term missions. Now, I don't know, some of you might not know this, but we are actually, Daybreak Church is actually part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, okay? So even the name gives away a little bit about what we're about. And, you know, I've known people that have come to Daybreak and they actually, they grew up in a Christian Missionary Alliance church. They came to Daybreak and they went to the membership class. They're like, we're we're a Christian Missionary Alliance church? I didn't even know that we were a Christian Missionary Alliance church. And then they go, and now it all makes sense because I see this huge heart that Daybreak has for the world. And if there was one theme verse of the Alliance, in fact, I have it up. The Alliance actually sent me all these posters about missions the other day, and I put one up right above my door because I'm like, that's what I want to remember every time I walk out. It's this verse in front of Matthew chapter 28. And if you pull out your outline this morning, you'll see it there as well. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now, this is something that Jesus said to his followers. He, Jesus lives his life. Jesus dies on the cross, bears the weight of every person's sin so that people could be reconciled, so that they could find their way back to God, be part of his family, be free from everything that you've had in your past. This is after all that happens. In fact, Jesus dies on the cross, and the power that goes out when he dies on the cross raises people from the dead. I mean, this is not an insignificant event. Then he comes to his disciples, and you can imagine that they've experienced all this and kind of in wonder, in awe, in a little bit of confusion and crazy, this is what he says to them. He says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in your neighborhood. Nope. Go make disciples in your community, in your state, in your nation. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. Jesus says, the Father in heaven has given me all authority. See, I bore the weight of sin. I conquered sin and death and hell, and now I have all authority to get it done on the planet. And now with that authority, what I am conferring onto you, those people who have chosen to love me and follow me is just this. Do this. Go and make disciples. As you go, as you live your life in your work, in your job, in your community, and not just there, but all around the world, help people find their way back to me. Help them be reconciled with the God who loves them. Teach them to obey all the things that are good that God gives us as gifts. And then there's this other verse, right before Jesus ascends to heaven. His disciples watch him go to heaven. Right before he leaves, they're kind of in this state, right? Like, you've been with Jesus. He's telling, like, he's reappeared to you. You've seen all the miracles. And now he's saying, I want you to go and make disciples of the whole world. And you're going, uh, er, uh, do we have enough money? I'm not sure I'm good enough. I'm not sure how this is going to pan out. Are you sure this is what you, are, wait, you want us to do this while you're in heaven? What, how in the world do you expect this to be a success without you? And he says to them, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait right here in Jerusalem. But be warned that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive this incredible power. And what for? You will receive this power that you might be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, which is where they're living. In Judea, which is like their state. In Samaria, which is like all the places and the peoples that are just a little different than you. And to the other ends of the earth you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. Man, what a gift. And that's what this year's short-termers are all about. They're going to tell you stories. You're going to see them on video. We're going to walk through this whole experience. 
It's all about the power that they've received through the Holy Spirit to be witnesses around the world. God used ordinary people to do amazing things. Now, the really cool thing here at Daybreak is we're not just going to celebrate like the trips that Daybreak sponsored. I want to celebrate every person that is obedient to God's call in their life to, to support missions, to go around the world, to be witnesses with their lives as they go. And so this morning, it's not just our teams that went, but other people who went too. In fact, here's the Williams. They went over just a little while ago. They're actually right down here in the front row. Can you guys, guys just have to wait? It's, it's my responsibility to embarrass you and make you wave. <laughs> that little arrow right there is actually pointing to someone very important in their lives. That's one of their family members. It's William's daughter, his sister. And so she's actually one of our midterm missionaries that we support, we pray for, we encourage on a regular basis. And they went over, like, just to spend time with her, to encourage her. Now, yeah, they had an interest in that right? But this is about them also being witnesses with their life as they go. They chose to do that. Brenda White um, went over with the Messiah College team. She has wanted for a while to be part of a sports ministry, uh, a way that she could kind of reflect who she is and be a witness around the world. And uh, so they, this team went over to be part of sports ministry, water purification. And it wasn't just her, actually. We found out when we were talking about her, there were some other daybreakers that went too on that same trip because it was just the right time and the right place. And they were like, I want to go serve God. I want to go be a witness around the world. And so Lynn Kiefer also went. She got to lead a trip of students in Romania through global expeditions where they did vacation Bible school. They did all kind of other good stuff there. God used her. And our, own, our Michael and Steve Sinconis right down here, you'll actually get to see and hear from them a little later. They're going to help me out this morning. They went to Honduras this summer with West Shore E Free Church. It runs this awesome like trip for kind of, it's like right in that zone, right? Fourth, fifth graders, right in that zone to help them experience for the first time what it means to share the world, gospel around the world. We celebrate all of that because that is God at work as people obey and follow Jesus. Now, at daybreak, there's four places we usually go because there's over 200 countries in the world, more than 12,000 different people groups, and we simply can't do all of that. And because we value relationships so much, we choose to build relationships in just four areas where we can send teams back over and over to serve the international workers, to pray for them, to build relationship with them. Here's the four areas. You're going to hear about two of them today. Ecuador, one of the areas that we serve. Pastor Ron's going to come up a little bit and walk you through that trip. As he was one of the leaders on that trip. And then we, we serve in Mali. And I'll tell you about the Mali trip a little bit later. We just went on a trip there this year. We also serve in Cambodia. I've been to Cambodia myself. One of the most incredible, beautiful countries. Incredible people. We serve them as well. And the last one is the Middle East that we take trips to to support and to let God grow in the Middle East what God wants to do there. So those are the four areas that you'll hear about on a regular basis. Now, anytime a team goes overseas on a trip like this, there's always incredible memories, things that they're like, wow, this was awesome. So I want you to share a little bit in them as we watch this next video. This was my first out-of-country mission trip, and so I was a little nervous, and I wasn't really letting God take control of it. I wanted to kind of be in control, I guess, but I wanted to do everything right and work right and do my job right. And so on the plane ride there, I felt a little weird because I knew I wasn't fully giving over to God. And then at, in Ecuador, while we were driving and stuff, I saw the beautiful houses and everything because they were all lit up at night. And I'm like, this is awesome. Why can't I just appreciate this like I should be? And it's because I wasn't feeling fulfilled that this was God's trip. I wanted to, like, I wanted to work for him, but I wasn't opening up to him. And so even when I was with the kids, I love kids. I love helping with kids. And so even when I was helping with them, I'm like, oh, this is awesome, but I don't feel that right. So it wasn't that good. And then whenever the worship came, I think probably the third night, I really felt touched by the worship. And I let it come into me, and I started doing my journaling like I should be. And I really felt God just, like, come into me and say, like, this is my trip. Just let go and let me come in. Because I wasn't letting him come in to see the beautiful things, to see the awesome people, to really appreciate it, right? And so I just let him come in, and I felt like this huge relief, and I was able to experience the trip. The kids were, like, better than ever. It was awesome being with them. Even work was fun. I loved, like, climbing ladders, painting stuff. Everything was awesome. And letting him take control was, like, really the best thing I could have done on that trip. A memory that really sticks out to me from Ecuador is about from the second week. We were there the first week in Wadi Kocha with the team, my husband and I, um, but our 
our international workers, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer, invited us to stay a second week to go to Payas, where we've been the last two years. There's a couple that live in Payas that are actually Warani Indians. Warani are the are the Indians that killed Jim Elliott back in the 1940s. Last year when we were in Payas, they didn't really want to interact too much with our international workers. Um, but this year it was totally different. God really opened the door that um, one day Gladys and Nuntu wanted to speak to Mark. And we, so we were in the village of Payas at the one house. Um, and so Mark went over to their house to speak to them. And he came back with a huge smile on his face, invited us to go to the Ronnie community. We went there Thursday morning and we, Mark introduced them to American football, which turned into rugby. That was the, the icebreaker. And then we also did VBS with the kids and sang songs. And Ulysses, who's one of the international workers there, he spoke some to the adults and we bought some of their trade goods. And by the end, they were inviting Mark and our other international workers back to come back for another week at some point to teach them more about God. The teacher particularly really wanted them to come back because she really wants to teach the kids more about Christ. Uh, one of my favorite parts about going on a mission trip is VBS, which is with the kids, and I just love the kids there, playing with the games with them, like just jump roping and playing soccer with them, even though they're really good at it, and I'm not that good. Um, just teaching them about Jesus and what he's done with, like for us, dying on the cross. Through VBS, I love that you you just build relationships with the kids, and you just connect with them on a level that I didn't even know you that you could do. And I just, I will never forget like some of the kids that I've met. A moment that was really memorable for me was um, when we were actually traveling from Huatikocha into Payos the second week when um, Laura and I were traveling with our long-term workers, Mark and Cheryl. And um, at one point we had to stop in one of the major cities to get a few supplies as well as get some gasoline so that we would have enough gas for our trip back to Huatikocha um, then at the end of the week. Um, this was a time that God really provided for one of our most basic needs that we would in most cases just take for granted. As we were coming into the city of Coca, we um, went to stop at the one gas station along the way to find that there was no gas at the gas station, which came as a big surprise to Mark. Then we get to the second gas station, and that gas station has no gas either. Starting to get a little worried that we might be stuck with taking public transportation in with all the supplies that we have packed in the car, which would have been very difficult with just the four of us. In the back of my mind, I had this voice just saying to me, everything's going to be all right, and that I'll provide for what you need. And we get to the third gas station, and sure enough, they do have gas. So God really provided for the most simple need that we needed at that point. Well, this trip, um, I really saw God's faithfulness um, in how he brings all the pieces of his big plan into focus. And I did that through um, the lives of Mark and Cheryl Schaefer. And um, one of the ways was when we hiked to Pacuna. Um, we got there and Mark pointed out this open building there that where he had lived for a week um, six years ago. And um, by the end of that week he said that they escorted him out of the village and asked him never to return. During that week while he was there, um, there was a man named Martin who was from Payas, and he was teaching the, at the school in Pacuna. So by the end of that week, he had come to the Lord. And that was how Mark then got his entrance into Payas, which He's been able to build so many relationships, and we were able to be there last year and see 13 people get baptized and two weddings. And so to see how God took a village that wasn't ready to hear Mark's message um, six years ago, 
but introduce him to another part of his plan. And then now we were sitting in Pakuna again, six years later. It was just really cool to see how God took one closed door, opened another one, and then reopened this one six years later. Well, good morning. My name is Ron, and uh, I was privileged, <clears throat> pardon me, to be one of the leaders of the Ecuador team, those uh, folks that you uh, just heard from. Uh, the other leader, Mike Sponsler, uh, couldn't be with us this morning, and I'll tell you a little bit about Mike. Some of you heard about Mike's story when he returned from Ecuador, and near the end of my talk, I'll, I'll give you all an update about Mike. But um, you got to hear from uh, our team, from uh, Cheryl and her son Griffin, from Mark, uh, I'm sorry, from Melanie, from Kelly, from Sean, and from Laura. It was a great team of eight people, but what was really neat about the, our team was we had these international workers, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer, who have been committed to Ecuador for many years, who were praying for us to come, who were, who were preparing the way for us to come so we could come and do whatever God had called us to do. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about next. God had put um, a vision in their minds, the Schaefer's minds, to build a, a school, a school for training missionaries and other Christian education people in the, this remote part of Ecuador called Huatacoche. And this school is now almost complete. This is, you're seeing the second floor being put up, but we have since heard this, the school is, is now under roof and, and almost complete. Uh, in fact, it's scheduled to open in January of 2014. This school is part of a, a bigger campus, if you will. There's sets of dormitories there. And so we were um, asked to be part of coming uh, alongside the workers who were already there. There were seven steel workers that were, that were accompanied uh, on this trip with us. Uh, they were actually there already in, in Huatacoche building the steel structure. So we got to rub shoulders with them, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But what our team was able to do when we weren't helping to lift these big steel beams, we were also digging ditches so we could lay the water line, the fresh water line, because that's very important in a place like this. We were uh, staining, we were painting, we were just cleaning up the area. We were, we were doing machete work, and that's really fun stuff to do. You get to have a big knife in your hand and go out and tackle the jungle, which seems to grow overnight. But it was also exciting in another sense where we were told by Mark that when we go out there, you know, you really want to make sure you look before you leap because there's some creepy crawly things out there. But we didn't encounter any of those. But it was, it was good advice from Mark. So that was our mornings. We, were, we got to work around the campus and do lots of things uh, together, which was really neat. But in the afternoons, after lunch, after sometimes we got a short siesta, we got to go to some of the nearby villages in Huatacoche uh, especially, and then some of the more remote villages. This is one in Huatacoche where uh, we got to play with the kids, sing songs, teach them about the Bible, make a craft for them so that they can go back and then influence their families about Jesus. And we had some really good experiences with that. Um, there was also two hikes involved, one to the, the remote village of Pukuna, which was a really long hike. That kind of gives you a glimpse of what it was like. That's the smooth part of the hike, but it was really fun. Uh, and then we went also into a town called Tiwi Rum to do vacation Bible school. So these are places where we had to travel some and by car, but also hike in. At Tiwi Rum, you see here, we were after playing a lot of soccer, because soccer is the sport of Latin America. It's a sport of Ecuador. Um, that's how you bond with people there, especially the kids. Uh, we had um, a church service, and a few of the the folks there accepted Christ, which was amazing, a blessing to us. Uh, while we were back in Huatacoche, Ecuador, uh, some of the steel workers uh, that you see pictured here, um, who were being led, by the way, by uh, uh, a Christian uh, boss who was, had been constantly trying to tell them about the love of Jesus. Well, God had a plan where this was all going to come together for some of these men during this trip, during our visit. And we didn't know it, but we were blessed to be a part of it. Because of what God has called us to do, and because of how God just allowed us to love on one another and love these men, some of these men decided to make the best decision ever. And uh, they decided to follow Jesus. Well, you'll see in another picture here where 
think the next picture where the guys are eating together. No, we're back to, okay, now we're back in our prayer hut. This is a time when we got to spend in worship. And these steel workers would come and worship with us. They, could have went, they worked really hard all day. And sometimes they went with us to go play soccer. They could have went and went to bed. But they actually decided to hang out with us till late in the evenings, most nights. And we also roasted some marshmallows. So the fellowship, the love we had with each other was, was so impactful for us, but more so, I think, for them. And there you go. You see them at, at lunch. Um, well... As I said, at least three of those steel workers that you see pictured there uh, came to know Christ. And you heard, you heard um, about how that happened uh, for one of them in particular. So what I'd like to do is at this time thank you all for how you support our teams through your prayers, through your, uh, through your funds. I mean, that, that's a big help for us. And we just, if, if anything else, we just want to encourage you, as God calls you, as, as you feel that tug on your heart, it took me nine years to respond. Don't, don't wait nine years. Go. Just go. I want to invite uh, um, Matt back up, and uh, Matt's going to read uh, a letter from, uh, from Mark and Cheryl. Thanks, Ron. Well, I am honored to read this letter from Mark and Cheryl Schaefer. Um, I had the extreme privilege of serving alongside of them in 2009 during my trip to Ecuador, uh, I savor every moment that I had with them, and I would encourage you that if you respond to God's uh, prompting in your heart someday to go and you go to Ecuador, I guarantee you that you will be blessed uh, in your time with these two beautiful people. So this is a letter from Mark and Cheryl. Mark starts us uh, with a passage from John, John thirteen thirty four. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Dear Mel and the family at Daybreak Church, Our team of international workers has reflected on the days your team was amongst us. As I reflect, uh, the word that leaps out to me is love. This love of Christ is what the world longs for. The indigenous people here know very little about Jesus or his love. Getting close enough to them to love them has been the greatest challenge. God's spirit, though, is always at work, and he had a wonderful plan to use this special group with their individual gifts while they labored with us a plan that none of us could have timed so well. I want to say to all who are listening right now that I'm sure that Mike, Ron, Sean, Laura, Cheryl, Griffin, Melanie, and Kelly know that it wasn't their great language skills that God used to bear fruit. It wasn't their money or great plans. It was their obedience to go, to serve, and to love. They were just being who they are and allowing Christ to love others through them. It's a powerful thing for the world to see this love of Christ. There isn't time to share all the things the Lord did the 10 days Daybreak was with us, but we can say that they served well, helping us build the Mission Institute. They loved well the children in four different communities. They loved us, the steelworkers, our staff, and each other, and thus God gave them much fruit. May the Lord be praised, and may the Daybreak family continue to love those around them as they have loved us here. Love, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer. The entire letter that Mark and Cheryl wrote is included in your program guide this morning, and I would really encourage everyone to read all the wonderful things that they included there for us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Well, before I pray for the country of Ecuador and the people of Ecuador, I wanted to give you an update on my co-leader, Mike Sponsor. Many of you know Mike, but some of you don't. Mike is a very active man. His heart beats strong for God. It beats strong for missions. Mike was back from the trip about two weeks, something like that, and he was out riding his bike, as he often does. He had his helmet on. He uh, was uh, locally riding on one of the roads, and uh, he encountered a spot in the road, on the side of the road, where it kind of dropped off suddenly, and he didn't see it. Mike went over the handlebars head first into a tree. Mike hit hit the tree so hard it cracked his helmet. It also unfortunately cracked a vertebrae in his back, and he's now paralyzed from his knees down. But <laughs> the good news is Mike is a man full of faith, and so is his wife, Leslie, and so of all of us who know Mike and have been influenced by Mike. And Mike told me just a couple days ago when Pastor Joel and I went to visit him that he's going to walk again, that he is uh, trusting God to heal him, and he's already seen signs of that. The doctors are very encouraged by what's happening. So it's, if, you, if you know Mike, 
Continue to pray for him. Now that you know Mike's story, those of you that didn't know his story, please pray for Mike and Leslie uh, in their faith journey. And watch and see what God's going to do through all that. Would you bow your heads as we pray for Ecuador? Father God, um, it just takes my breath away when I think back of Ecuador and the beauty of Ecuador. It reminds me of what maybe the Garden of Eden looked like way back when. It's a beautiful uh, picture of your creation. But Lord, also the people that you have placed in Ecuador are more precious to you than anything else. So Lord, when you called us to go, we responded. Because you love those people, we love those people. And Lord, we just pray that as more and more people are inspired to go, that they'll respond to that call. Because, Lord, the relationships that are made there, the, um, the evidence of your love to those people through everyone who goes, Lord, is your power, not our own. And it's amazing. It changes not just our lives, but more importantly, Lord, it changes their lives, those people who desperately need you. So, Lord, we pray for all the people of Ecuador. We pray for you to keep the country safe, keep the people safe, and send more people, Lord. We ask this all in your precious name. Amen. Now, it's not all work and vacation Bible school, which is a lot of fun. Work and vacation Bible school is a lot of fun. We also have our moments of fun. And I want you to watch this next video where I can guarantee you, in my disclaimer, that the rooster did die, I think. Okay, so prior to going to Ecuador, our international worker asked Mike, our team leader, if he would come prepared to kill a rooster. So he's like all his camo gear, slingshot stuff. He was like psyched. Apparently this thing had been tormenting them, keeping them up all night long at the mission school. Before we even got there, the interns and some of the other international workers would try to spear it, um, catch it in the, in the tree by using a net, I guess by netting it, and nothing seemed to work. So at first I kind of felt sorry for this rooster and didn't know why it had to die, but the first night it woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I think it crowed every 20 minutes until daybreak. Yeah, I'm a heavy sleeper. I didn't even hear the rooster. In the next couple of days, Mike had shot it a couple different times with a slingshot. And um, Ron had taken a huge rock and nailed this thing. And it fell over out of the tree. And we really thought, OK, it has to be dead. He wouldn't die. He just kept surviving. Finally, one night, Mike got it good. I mean, he nailed it. It was in its perch, and it dropped. However, he tried to trail it, but it went into the jungle, and so he couldn't keep going after it. That night, I listened, and I don't know what time it was, but finally I, I heard it in the distance, and it was like, ur, ur, ur. Then the next time it went, ur, ur. So I thought, okay, he's a goner. He's dead by morning. No problem. And the next day, we went to Pacuna. We got home like at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, and it was there. We couldn't believe it was back. There he was. He was just sitting in the tree waiting. He was like plotting something. Something snapped in Mike, I think, about that time. And I think he surprised it with a flashlight, or somehow he surprised it, and then he was able to knock it out. Mike finally got the machete, though, and chopped its head off. Whack! Whack. It was dead. He was done. And he was taking the head off that thing. So, the rooster is dead, we think. Yes, there is fun on Mission Shoots 2, and apparently no innocent rooster died in this video. Um, so, uh, not only did we go to Ecuador, but we also went to Mali. Had uh, five or six members of our teams go to Mali, and uh, another one of our strategic partners, and uh, God did some incredible things through them. And I want to take you a little trip on that down memory lane um, for what happened on the Mali trip. Uh, we don't have any Mali member team members here this morning, so I'm going to channel one of the Mali team members. Laura, Laura Sapala wrote a little review about what happened from her perspective. 
And so I'm um, just going to read it straight to you in my best girl voice. And uh, you can follow along and just kind of experience some of their trip. In the beginning uh, of October 2012, we went to Mali, which is located in Western Africa. You've ever heard of Timbuktu? It's a real place, and it's in Mali. The majority of our time in Mali was spent with our two international workers, Gordon and Cheryl Redding. And because we spent much of our time with them, we spent much of our time at the Go Global Mali Center with their English classes and how they teach Malians English there. We spent a lot of time with Malians there with all of their lively and smiling and friendly-filled laughter. We hosted game nights. We gave presentations of American hobbies. And my personal favorite was going on a tour of the city in which we went on a citywide scavenger hunt. On that day, we, we helped them with their English while they helped us getting around the city. On the nights that we were in class, we set up stations. Each one was a conversation station. Now, because these stations moved fairly quickly, you might imagine that there was, wasn't a lot of time to develop deep conversation. But God always opens doors. And during a conversation during that week, about learning to speak English, one of the students leaned over to Pastor Rick and he said, you know, the Go Global Mali Center is making English more of a reality for him. He said, here I get to come and I get to practice and I know while I'm doing that I will be accepted and I'll never be looked down upon. Now we're also blessed to have one day with Karina Sorus, a Dutch international worker. And even though our team was split apart for ministry reasons into men and women, I can think we all agree that this day stretched us emotionally. It allowed us to learn more about what was happening in Mali and allowed us to see how God was moving there. The men visited the prison. And meanwhile, the women visited the prison and the Rahab Ministries house. This is a place where women get off the streets, learn how to become free from prostitution, and are taught a trade so that they can live out that freedom. You know, we're taught as Christ followers to speak the truth in love. And in this place, watching Karina preach and talk with these women, work with them and ask them hard and honest questions, be honest with them, God allowed us to see up front and personal exactly what that looks like. Halfway through our trip, we were invited to the town of Sagu, where the CMA has recently sent a brand new team. And we got to meet international workers there. And we were able to encourage them while they were getting settled. We were able to pray for them. We were able to go to church with them and to hear their prayers in this town of how God will use them in it. I can honestly say that I've never been on a trip like this with so much laughter. I don't know if it was the, Ma the Malian culture rubbing off on us, the unique personalities, or just God choosing to refresh us through laughter. But there was a lot of laughter on this trip. And a lot of that laughter came while we were around Gordon and Cheryl's table. They have such sweet and big personalities, such big hearts, and it was such a blessing to spend time with them. You know, this team had an awesome time on this trip, and I just want to give you a picture of that as you kind of get a picture of their personalities and all of their laughter as they kind of review and video the trip for you. This was one unique team. Africa was so different than any of the other trips we've ever taken. We had six people on this team full of different personalities and different backgrounds, all people who'd been on trips before. And one thing that we had no idea that would change for us is that in the middle of our trip training, uh, Molly experienced a coup d'etat. And in the middle of that coup, we had to decide to postpone our trip for a couple months. But finally, we were able to take off last September. And we were there for two weeks teaching English as just a unified team.
But in all seriousness, we saw God do some wonderful things, not only in us, but through the culture. And so I asked my team to share a little bit about how they saw God at work in Mali, and then also how they saw God at work in them. So take a look. I came with, uh, because I wanted to learn, and I really felt very powerfully that God had something to teach me, and He just wanted me to soak it in. And coming here, I wanted to learn more about who He was and what His personality um, is like. And leaving, I feel so encouraged and so excited uh, to continue on and to learn more about who He is because, you know, I've been in two different places and seen two different aspects. But our God is global, and there are so many more places to go and so much more to learn about Him. Um, and that's how I've seen Him at work, just grooming this excitement for Him and who He is and how he expresses himself and his creativity here in his children. I see God's spirit at work in me um, this week through building relationships with uh, the students and especially uh, um, one of the students, her name was Mama, and just the love that she um, just showed to me and just, um, she was a hugger and I'm a hugger and we just, just built this special relationship so that I can just see that God's love was, was shining through me and that she saw that very evident. Um, I saw God at work in me and through my life here in Mali um, because I think he really wanted me to develop a servant's heart this trip and he really pushed me to serve um, people from another culture which was out of my comfort zone. Um, he guided me and taught me kind of how to do that this trip and pushed me to serve better than I ever had before. I saw God at work in Mali through the relationships I built with the Malians. Um, and teaching English with them every night of the week. Um, just their reciprocity to mm -hmm. wanting to hear about the gospel um, and building relationships with them and us presenting who Jesus Christ was to them. Uh, they were more than willing to hear and they listened with open ears and loving hearts and they really wanted to know what that was about. So I feel like we are a chain, um, we are a link in the chain to helping them get to know who Jesus Christ is. I saw God's Spirit at work in Mali in a powerful way, uh, both in the two church services that we were in and then also uh, when we showed the video that kind of told the story of uh, Christ's sacrifice for us. As I watched many Malians here for the first time and understand God's love for them, it was a powerful move of God's Spirit as I saw their response to the greatest story ever told, the story of redemption and sacrifice and love. I saw God's work here in Mali um, through the people and through how open they were to hearing about God and to hearing just even about um, the, the values that are taught through Scripture. Um, and it was so evident to me how open the Malian people are to receiving His love through the work that is being done at Global Mali. Incredible to hear firsthand, like right, like what God is doing through people and how He uses them. Um, actually, uh, Steve and Michael were over in Honduras. They got their Honduras shirts on, um, celebrating that trip as well. And uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, they've got great stories to tell too. So if you want to just ask them some questions after the service, or sometimes just sneak up on them and ask them how it went, they will love to tell you, share a little bit of their story too. Steve's actually come now and share just a little bit of the letter from our international workers in Mali that we serve there as well, and their appreciation for just how God uses daybreak in their lives to bless them and to bless the people they serve. Well, it's an honor to stand uh, in for the uh, short-term missionaries who went to Mali from daybreak. Um, I'm going to read part of a letter from Gordon and Cheryl Redding. Your whole letter could be found in your uh, handout there, the purple page, I think. Dear Daybreak Church family, you may be used to hearing how you send the best teams ever. Allow us to give you some evidence of that based on our experience last fall with your team from Mali. The team contributed to our long-term work in a short-term way through the materials they brought. We may be using those dry erase markers until we retire. Also, through the relationships they themselves made with the Malians and through enhancing our own relationships with the participants at our community center. Go Global Mali. We all sense that the students appreciated us more 
after the Daybreak team had come. The volunteers on Daybreak's global support team worked hard to voice record our English textbooks for our students and saved everything on the SD cards. Those SD cards have been a big hit. Hearing your pronunciations and voice inflections is a great way for them to learn. And because we've added Bible stories and Christian music to them, they are enhancing our witness as our students have them and their cell phones all over. Bombical. Amazing. It's probably no accident that the guard at the Go Global Molly Center gave his life to Christ not long after you'd been there. We also believe that was no coincidence that Jacoby Hendrickson was born on Molly's Independence Day and that his adoption shortened his mom's time in Molly. We sense a special relationship with him even though we've not met him yet. And all of us said to one another after your team's visit, all short-term teams should go to daybreak for training before they come to Molly. Visitors come and go, and we enjoy them all. However, your team stands out for its long-term impact on our work and how it encouraged us. As we look forward to next time, we bless you in Jesus' name, Gordon and Cheryl Redding, for the Go Global Molly team. It just occurred to me that there are students all over Molly with Pennsylvania accents. <laughs> um, Hey, I just want to take a moment, and we're going to pray for Molly, but we're also going to pray for Honduras, because that's Steve and Michael are representing the work that God did through them there, and for the missionaries there. So I just want to take a moment and bless them, bless the work there, and also bless the work of Molly. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for Steve and for Michael. Thank you for their willingness to follow you, to be obedient to your great commission. I pray that you would bless the work that they've accomplished, that they went and they joined you, and God... Just continue to watch over the hearts of those people that they serve. God, I pray that you would remind Michael and Steve of those things and to pray and continue to do the work in them and transform them from the trip. And I pray for the international workers that they serve. Will you bless them, God? Will you care for them? Will you protect them? And God, I pray for Molly, and I pray for every Malian who's come to the Gold Global Center. And I pray for, for the Reddings as they serve, God. Will you... Give them the energy and strength each day to speak your love into others. And I pray that the witness of teaching English and giving that gift of the ability to, to speak English and probably make some money and work with tours and God, all of the gifts that you give to those Malians, Lord, that's a great one. But I pray that in it they would also find the greatest gift of all, and that is reconciliation with the Father in heaven who loves them through Jesus. And God, I pray that you would do that work and continue to do it in Molly. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. So some of you might be sitting in your seats today and go, I've thought about this, but I don't really know what to think about. I don't know if I should go or not. So I want to give you a moment just to take in this next video kind of an invitation from other short-termers who would want to say something to you about their own trip and about inviting you to go to. Um, one, it would be a really great opportunity to get to know um, some more um, people, members of the Daybreak family, um, and also just another opportunity for me to grow with my relationship with Christ and to experience missions in another culture. I wanted to go on a mission this year to be able to connect with God and to be able to view the world from a different angle. I wanted to go on mission this year with my middle son, Griffin, to share his first um, international mission trip. I love the Malian people and I was excited to have the chance to go back and serve them and build relationships with them and with our international workers too. Continue to build the relationships that I've built over the past two years in Ecuador. I wanted to go on mission this year because I love being a part of what God is doing around the world. I just love it. It was interesting training with um the team this year since a lot of our team members had been on prior trips before and it was really neat to see how quickly we bonded together. Uh, it was fun. I, it's fun to meet new people that actually go to our church because our church is big you don't know everyone and it's fun to meet new people there. Training with a team was such an important part of the trip. Um, it built trust and through all the different Things that we went through and changes that we went through on the trip without that training and that team building and time together, I don't know how we would have gotten through some of those things. So training with the Daybreak team is so fun. 
Every meeting we do team building activities, share what God's been teaching us, and are intentional just about preparing. Developing a deeper friendship and relationship with our international workers, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer, and seeing how God was using them in his plan and us. I'd say the most rewarding part of the trip for me was being able to connect with God on a deeper level and to be able to know that there's a lot of other people out there that love God and not just in America. Was getting to know and serve the international workers who we support year-round all the time and who we pray for and just getting to hear their stories and why they're there and hear the love that they have for the people and the love they have for God. Was definitely getting to build relationships with people in Mali and knowing that you have friends on the other side of the planet being able to lead, help lead this team this year. Um, and this was my first time uh, leading a trip and um, I had no idea what to expect. Um, but it was just really cool to see how the team really grew and just grew for a love of the culture and the, the Malian people. Was getting to see so clearly how God was at work in Mali. The most rewarding part of this trip for me was different than past trips because usually I'm talking about something that happened on the trip but in this case uh, I got a phone call from my husband finding out that we were going to be parents so one of the most rewarding parts of this trip for me was actually getting on a plane early and flying home <laughs> uh, to meet my son who we adopted is now 10 months old my trip was enlightening very rewarding this year my trip to Mali was a, a whirlwind of answered prayers and chances to be flexible and learn how to be flexible and go with the flow. My trip was unforgettable. An experience I'll never forget. My trip was amazing. It was awesome to see God's work, God's hand at work in Ecuador. If you're thinking about going on mission, what are you waiting for? You gotta do it. Just do it. I definitely say to go no matter what. If they're feeling doubt, God's going to clear it for them while they're there and just to experience Him. Uh, I would say that you should go because there is no experience like a going on a mission trip. If, if somebody is thinking about going on a mission trip, I would encourage them not to let anything hinder them if, if they're being felt called to go. I would say to someone to walk in obedience with all the faith that he gives to you to join him in what he's doing around the world because he asks it, asks it of us, he wants it from us. We're inspired by it to be better followers of Jesus when we join him on mission. Like, you have to go. Please go. The Daybreak family is incredible, and not just through support uh, financially and support through prayer. But just in just in general, I mean, it's just, I I wouldn't have been able to go on the trip without the Daybreak family, um, and so what I'd like to say to them is thank you from the bottom of my heart, and um, I hope and pray that you also all get to experience what I was able to experience. Thank you for providing prayer, support, finances, and um, encouragement. We can't do it without you, so thank you. I'd like to say thank you so much for supporting us and praying for us and you're supporting us in a big way. Even if you don't feel like you are, you really are. We learn so much about what a family's like and we learn that we are a family in situations like this and we have to depend on your prayers and your support. So thank you. You will never know how much your generosity um, will continue on in the lives of the people that we served. Daybreak, I am so proud of them for all the ways that they send our teams. Every year, they pray for us. They provide for us financially. They support us in so many practical ways. I mean, I could not be more proud of this local church and this body of believers for the way that they send people. Thank you, Daybreak. I'm very proud of you. I can honestly say that if it wasn't for the six or seven missions trips that I have been on, I would not be the same man that I am today. I wouldn't have the same transformation. I wouldn't have the same trajectory in life. I wouldn't have the same character. God has opened my eyes and transformed me on a regular basis through missions trips, through experiences where God does things that you just you didn't expect and you didn't know it was coming. And you know, it's our greatest hope as every leader at Daybreak 
is that you would go on a trip, and when you got on the trip and you got home, you'd go, what am I going to do with this experience? You see, I've seen that happen over and over where people have said, I, I want to know what to do with this experience. And they, they've changed jobs. They have done, like, just changed their, their whole outlook on life, the way they approach the Bible, the way they approach God. Everything has changed for them because of what God did for them while they were on a short-term trip. They see the world differently because they went on a short-term trip. God used them. And I know that there's probably some of you who have hesitated. There have been barriers, there's been hesitations for you. You've maybe felt like, yeah, maybe I want to do that, but you looked at how much it cost. Or you said, and you said, ah, I don't have that much, I couldn't raise that much. Or you've, you've looked at your language barrier and you said, I don't speak that language, how could I be of any use there? What could actually happen? Or you've looked at some other thing and you just said, I'm just ordinary, how could I be of any use in that situation? It's too much, it's too far, I can't do it. But today I want to remind you of something. You know, when, when uh, the trip, in, the guys went to Ecuador, uh, I was talking to Mike the other day, and he was telling me how one of those nights while he was in Ecuador, he woke up from a deep sleep and just felt like in his spirit got impressed on him, like, go get some water. He didn't know why he needed water, but he said, okay. So he went down to get some water. And while he was down in the kitchen getting water, he looked over, and here's the translator and speaking with one of the steel workers, and they're talking about, the steel workers talking about, like, hey, I don't get how these people love each other. This is kind of crazy. I don't understand this, but I want it. Like, what is different about them? Help me understand it. And so Mike got to stand there in that room and just tell him what was different about it was Jesus that was different. It was this following of Jesus is why they loved each other because this guy was watching from the outside and going, this is something I need. And in that moment, that guy gave his life to Christ. Not because Mike knew the language, not because Mike is some extraordinary evangelist, because Jesus said, the power of the Holy Spirit will be on you and you will be witnesses even to the other ends of the earth. And so today I want you to know that you may not have anything else, but if you have followed Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit and his power is on you and in you so that you can be witnesses everywhere to every nation that you have the power to love and that is all you need because Jesus said they will know you by your love. So I want to let you know today that there is great opportunity for you this coming year. Don't hesitate. I want you to take for just a moment and pull out two things for me. Pull out this response card and this blue outline. And on the back of this blue outline, there's all kind of information for you to say, boy, here's how I could take a next step. I want to challenge you to three specific ways this morning. I don't know how God's been speaking to you, but here's three ways that I think he may have been speaking to you. And I want you to, I'm challenging you to write these on your response card so I can pray over you so that we can follow up with you. The first is pray. Maybe this year is your year to pray say, I want to join people in prayer. I want to join the international teams in prayer. I want to pray for the work that God's doing in people and around the world. Maybe this year is your year to give. Say, I want to be part of that generosity that Mel thanked us for, that every team member said, thank you. Like, it changed my life through a simple gift. And you can find out how to do that on the back of that car, on the back of that blue guide. So you can just write give. Or maybe this year is your year to go. You've hesitated, you, but you know that God wants to go, but you, you, you keep coming up with all these reasons why you can't. And today, I just want you to hear this one verse again. By the power of the Holy Spirit will be in you so that you'll be my witnesses. You have what you need. You just need to say yes and let it transform your life. So I want to take a moment and pray for you and then give you an opportunity to respond this morning by writing on that card, pray, give, or go. Whatever God's speaking to you this morning so that we can follow up with you. Let me pray. God, thank you for how you give good gifts to us. How you have given yourself for us and then to us. And it's life that we get from you that gives us life to give to others. And so God, thanks for that. Thank you for how you interact in our lives. Thanks for every person who chose to go overseas, to go on a mission trip, domestically overseas, to just take the gospel to someone who needed it to be reconciled with you. And God, I pray that for every person here pondering this morning what you want for them, 
I know what you want for them. It's your best. It's obedience. It's this incredible journey that we take with you. So I pray for them courage to say yes to you. I pray for them for the resources and the faith to know that you'll provide the resources. I pray that you would do it and work in them that they can ever imagine could be done. I pray that it would overflow out of them. And I pray this in Jesus' name.